Okay, so let's grab our Bibles tonight, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Hey, I, uh, someone had came to me earlier, so I'll just take a second, and said that uh, last week, uh, verse 3, maybe we didn't uh, spend a whole lot of time on. And it's actually a pretty interesting verse. So I thought we'd just hit verse 3 and then we can jump down, I think, to verse 12 or 13, where we are tonight. Uh, here's verse 3. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Probably ought to pray. Let's stop and pray real quick and then we'll dig in. Hey, dear Lord Jesus, thank you, thank you so much for hundreds of adults who want to come out and learn your word and dig a little further into Scripture. God, would you honor their time? Would you allow me to speak exactly what you intended? Would you allow your word to be powerful and penetrating and to change our lives? And God, at the end of the day, would we look a little more like Jesus because of a Tuesday night? And we ask you that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 3 simply says this. Don't you know that we will judge angels? And it was in this whole context of lawsuits among believers and you don't have anybody wise enough uh, within the church to help decide the lawsuits and just the name of Jesus being run amok in secular culture because Christians were suing Christians. But it is this interesting phrase that says, don't you know that we will judge angels and how much more should we be able to judge the things of life if you and I are going to be judging angels? Now, here, here's the interesting thing. How many knew that? I mean, Paul goes, kind of acts like we were supposed to. Okay, so two of us did. But it's an interesting phrase. Uh, don't you know that you will judge angels? Why would you and I judge angels? I mean, think about this for a second. The angels, you know, it's pretty obvious they're the fallen angels. And if if you know a little bit about Scripture, you know that this is really where Satan and demons came from. They actually started as angels in the presence of God. And uh, just to give you a little bit on that, um, Satan was a what they call a covering cherub. And I know we think of cherubs as little teeny babies with big bellies and tiny... That's not a ch- biblical cherub. A biblical cherub was actually a terrifying, unbelievably awe-striking uh, angel. And uh, there were three of them around the throne of God. Most likely, Michael and Gabriel on either side, and Lucifer, the covering cherub, Scripture says, which means he, he was the number two guy, and he's the, he is the covering cherub the highest angel in heaven. And here's the interesting thing is, is that these covering cherub, because um, angels have wings, these covering cherub actually have six wings. And Scripture says with two they would cover their eyes and with two of their wings they would cover their feet because they were not worthy to look upon God nor were they worthy to stand in His presence. And then with two they would fly. And they would night and day say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. Lucifer is the covering cherub. Okay? Uh, so, six wings, and there he is. And Lucifer one day revolts against God, says, Look, I, I think I'm as good as you. I think I'm probably smarter than you. I think my plan is better than your plan. I think if I was in charge, I could come up with better ideas than you're coming up with God. So I'd like to try the throne for a little while. Sound familiar at all? I think I'm smarter than you. I think I know better than you, God. I wouldn't do what you're doing if I was you, God. I think I'll be in control a while. And Lucifer gets thrown out of heaven. God says, that's it. The interesting thing is, and here's the thing, and just to say it all out real quick, I don't know about you, uh, but I remember uh, being in school. And You remember the school uh, bully? 
You guys didn't have bullies in school? How many of you were the school bully? All right, so we hated your guts. You know, man-child, you had chest hair when you were four. Okay, we, we hated you. But here's the thing. Here's why you were the school bully. The school, reason you were the school bully is that because probably you matured physically and got further than any of us and, and you could take us. The fun part was is that after junior high, we were bigger than you and then we kicked sand in your face. But it, it, it's what happens. So, but, but think about this moment. If Satan is in the presence of God, looks God in the eyes and says, and, I think, and we've got to remember, Satan is unbelievably intelligent. Okay? Anybody in this room who says, hey, I'm going to outsmart or outwit Satan, I'm going to play along with him and get what I want from him and then I'm going to dish him. He is like Jimmy Fisher. Anybody, how old is that? Anyone remember Jimmy Fisher? Okay, two of us, all right. Chess, he was chess champion of the world 100 years ago when I was a child. Uh, it's like you and I taking on the chess champion of the world. Uh, he, Satan is so infinitely smarter than you and me. You and I don't belong in that game, okay? But uh, here's the deal. Satan, okay, what did you say? Oh, Bobby Fisher. Well, that's why Jimmy Fisher was his... Uh, <laughs> Mentally handicapped brother who never played chess, right? Okay, so that's why you were confused. All right. Satan, think about this for a minute. Satan looks at God in the eyes. Highly intelligent. This guy is not a dummy. He's not an idiot. And in that moment says, I can take you. Which gives you just a little bit of a sense of how much power he has. That he really thought he could go toe-to-toe. So you and I, I'm just going to say, are crazy when you and I try to go toe-to-toe with him. It's just a dumb move in our lives. It's dumb when you and I say, I'm going to play the game. I'm going to beat Satan at his game. It's dumb. But anyways, Satan is cast out of heaven. Here's the interesting thing. A third of heaven, one-third of the angels exit with Satan. One-third of the angels threw in with him and said, let's overthrow God. Let's take the place over. And they end up cast out of heaven. It's what you and I now today call demons. Scripture says they're fallen angels. That's, that's their origin. That's where they come from. Here's the interesting thing. This verse just said, you and I get to judge them. Why? Why would you and I get to judge them? I mean, I'm, what I'm thinking is, I mean, it, it's God they offended it was God they looked in the eye and kicked the sand out of the sand. I mean, why do you and I get to judge these guys? I mean, they did this thousands of years, thousands of years before you and I were ever born. Why are you and I judging angels? Isn't that an interesting thought? Why would God reserve that for you and me? What do you think? Got microphones. We were adopted into God's family, so we're part of God's family. Okay, we were adopted in God's family. We're part of God's family. I agree. Why would that make judging angels make sense? Well, we get to judge other brothers and sisters in Christ because they should also know what we know, which is the truth. And the angels that fell also know the truth. So maybe we get to judge them as we get to judge other brothers okay you and i don't judge other brothers or sisters remember first corinthians chapter three when we were in there all of us are standing there and our works get tossed in the fire and we're all going whoa baby what's coming out you know but we don't judge each other i think uh, when the angels fell down that is the devil and all his other bad angels sin came into the world 
Okay. Sin came into the world, so we will be, we'll be able to, we, and we were not supposed to suffer all through all this because it's the reason why we are suffering. Mm-hmm. So we will be able to judge him from the creation, ask him why he did that to Eve, ask him all those questions because it's through him that's how sin came into the world, and that's why, uh, and that's why we are here. Okay. I think, I think there's some legitimacy here to that point. If I were Satan, let me tell you what I would say back to you. Then why did you listen when I came and tempted you? You could have straightened this whole thing out just by saying no. Because we were created higher than the angels. Okay. So I'm going to ask you to read Psalms chapter 8 or 9. And I believe it's going to say that we were created just a little lower than the angels. Okay. But you want to hear the interesting part? We get exalted higher than the angels in the end. We get, we get a promotion above them. Okay? Okay? Where are we at? Oh, oh. Is God maybe showing off because of they got to actually see miracles and, and things that we've, we've never seen as humans? Okay. So there we are and we're close. Here, here's what I'm going to toss out. Here's what I think. I don't know this for sure. This is, my, this is my best thought, but I think it's a pretty good thought. Okay. Um, you wanna, did you want to say something? No, you're good. Okay. When Satan falls... Oh, you're going to say something? Go ahead. Okay. Okay, as the bride of Christ will rule and reign with him. Okay, and I agree with that. Here's what I think is the qualifying factor. Here's why, what I think makes this special to the heart of God. Okay? And here's why I think God puts you and I to judge them. When Satan falls, where is he physically? Where? He's in heaven. He is face to face, eye to eye with God. Does he have any problem with believing that God is real or that God is there? He's face to face. And face to face, eye to eye with God, he looks God in the eyes and says, No, I do not want you. Think about that moment. No. I do not want you. How many people here have seen God face to face, eye to eye? And yet, you and I have said to God, I want you. See, I believe, I believe that God will look Satan in the eye and say, let me tell you why they judge you. Because you stood in my presence, looked me in the eye and said, I want nothing to do with you and God. And they, although they've never seen me, loved me and chose me and they will judge you yep i just have a question so what do you mean that we judge them is there a chance they're going to end up somewhere else or i don't understand no do you have you ever watched that uh like one of the cop shows like uh 48 uh was it 48 hours and in the first 48 hours, you've got to find if the person's guilty or not. And then they, they show you, oh, they found this person, an eyewitness that saw this guy, and he stabbed him and, and you know, all this stuff. And then they're arresting him at the end of the show, and they show you walking him back into the jail cell. And then what do they flash up on the screen just at the very last minute because the lawyers told them they had to? Yeah, people are presumed innocent until and guilty. And all of you and I go, yeah, yeah. They're so guilty, but they're still going to get their day in court, right? 
And that's exactly what's going to happen to Satan and the angels. They're going to come to court, and the very thing that's going to, that's going to, you ready for this? Just expose their guilt, the thing that's going to amplify their guilt, is that you and I, who never saw God, chose God. And they who were in the presence of God rejected God. So the verdict, we already know what the verdict is. Okay, How many of you have seen the um, uh, Southwest Airlines uh, commercials that are on right now about the whole baggage thing? And the most recent one is this court thing. Have you seen that? And the whole jury, because they got, they've got the other airline is, is like in court being prosecuted. But the whole jury is Southwest Airline employees. Have you seen that? What do you think the verdict is? You know, when you and I judge the angels, what do you think the verdict is? Okay? But it's why we judge them. Because your and my acceptance of God, your and my seeking of God, is so violently different, so extremely contrasting to what the angels did when they were in the presence of God and instead of seeking, pushed Him away. It's why you and I are the perfect judges of the angels. Yep. You're saying only fallen angels will judge or all angels? Yes, only fallen angels. Yeah, we're going to be judging fallen angels. The other angels in his... But here's, here's the thing, and it's kind of a unique thing. In Scripture, angels don't get second chances, which is why your question was a great question. But when you read Scripture, they really don't get a second chance. So the angels that chose to be with God were sealed in righteousness. Okay? They're not, making, they're not up in heaven going, well, I think maybe I won't follow God this day. Sealed in righteousness, which is not that far out there because once you and I go to heaven, we are sealed in righteousness, right? We're done, okay? We don't, we don't all of a sudden go, okay, I'm tired of heaven, I'm leaving. We're sealed in righteousness. Um, but the fallen angels are too. It was a once and forever decision on the part of the fallen angels to leave, okay? They just haven't had their day in court, okay? Maybe this will help. People go to jail and sometimes stay in jail for months and months and months waiting for their day in court. They're still guilty, right? But you still have to have court. The angels are guilty. They just haven't had their day in court. Okay? We're having fun? All right. We confused you. Okay. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, jumping down to verse 12. Everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Okay? So in other words, hey, there, there are things that I, I can do. I mean, Scripture doesn't clearly say not to do them. There's really not necessarily a prohibition about them. But just because Scripture doesn't say don't do that doesn't necessarily mean that it's the wisest thing to do, that it's the most beneficial thing to do. In other words, Scripture doesn't necessarily say, hey, don't take an adjustable rate mortgage. A bunch of us have figured out that's maybe not the most beneficial thing to do. Okay, so that's all. There are some things that are permissible for me. It doesn't necessarily mean it's a great decision. It's a wise decision for me. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be made master of anything. What do you think he means by that? Well, my question isn't about that, but oh. I, I'm sorry, I'm backtracking just a little bit. Okay. Um, do you is Lucifer then? Um, Omniscient, omnipresent, and omnipotent? No. No. But can he be lots of places at once? All these demons that are... How many of them were there that they can be actually seeking whom they may devour, like a lion? I mean, 
you know, that sort of thing when they're, you know, is it equal to the number of people on earth or what? Mm -hmm. I mean, are they, if they can't be everywhere at once, if he doesn't right. have all the attributes of God. Sure. Okay, so the answer is no. He is not omnipresent. He is not omniscient. He is not all-knowing. I think a great example of that is I, I don't think Satan has any idea about the book of Revelation. Okay, I, I, my personal opinion, I could be dead wrong. We'll find out when we get to heaven. I don't think God lets him read it. I don't know if he looks and it's a blank page. I don't know. No. Um, if he is able to read it, we, don't know, we know for sure he doesn't understand it well enough to avoid it. Okay? He is not omniscient. He does not know. As a matter of fact, just, just to go to that, and I just want to say this real quickly. You guys have seen these guys that talk to the dead? You've seen that, right? Jonathan Edwards, some of these guys are out there. And they give remarkable information, don't they? And you go, wow. Well, you've either got one of two options there because God's not giving that information. God, God already gave you exactly what you and I need to know, and He's done. He's done with the information giving. Okay? So if, if there's information coming through, and especially someone who sits there and doesn't claim to be a Christ follower, and it's accurate, you got one of two options, guys. You either got that that guy's a really good charlatan. He's, in other words, he's pulling a really, really good trick somehow. He's reading cue cards from somewhere or somehow. Or he's got a legitimate source of information. Well, what's left? Demons. And you, I'm just going to say to you as a, as a Christ follower, you don't want to be anywhere in that room. You don't want to be anywhere involved in that information. That should have nothing to do with anything in your life because you should not be anywhere near that as a source in your life. Okay? And I'm just going to tell you personally, that's re I don't read my astrology thing. I don't do it. I don't... There's, because here's the deal. It's either, it's either an absolute blatant joke or if there's actually any power behind it, it is not Christ power. And therefore, as a Christ follower, I want nothing to do with it. And the interesting thing is when they consult the dead, how many times the information they give is past information. Isn't that interesting? Well, a demon would know that, right? See, the demon doesn't know the future, but he surely knows the past. Okay, so back. No, not omniscient, not everywhere. Here's the deal. I don't believe that every temptation that you and I have, and I think this is part of the question, comes from a demon. I don't, I don't you know, the old Flip Wilson, the devil made me do it. I don't believe that every sin that you and I do, cause, because there's a little demon on this, you know, and an angel on this. I, I don't think that's legit. Matter of fact, when you read the book of James, it says, every man is drawn away, every woman is drawn away, when by their own evil desires. Okay. So I'm just going to tell you, our fallen nature, our selfishness, is more often than not at the root of what we do. Here's what is true. There are moments, I believe, in which demonics have assignment in our lives. In which Satan says, get that one. Go get them. And do I believe in those moments that they're going to look at our weakest points? In other words, does, does a demon know that you and I are greedy? Sure. And if greed is your struggle, you are going to get nailed with things that are going to cause you to be jealous and covetous of things. Is lust your deal? Well, then that demonic influence is going to go after lust big time. If that's what's happening. If it is a moment in which demonic influence is causing what I would call an exaggeration of temptation. And I, th you know, I think there is the legitimacy for a Christian any moment when you go, man, this isn't just this isn't normal run-of-the-mill temptation going on in my life. I'm getting like 
mega temptation, I think it's legit to say, God, you know what? If this is spiritual warfare right now, because Scripture does say there's such a thing as spiritual warfare, I'm just going to ask you to put a hedge of protection. Don't allow that to affect my life. Don't. Give me, give me strength and give me freedom from that in this moment. Yeah. The screw tape letters would be a good thing to read to um, get some understanding from, you know, like C.S. Lewis, screw tape letters. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, he delves into, it's, it's screw tape, who is a leader teaching Wormwood how to tempt. Mm-hmm. And the whole thing really kind of gives insight into this problem. It's not scriptural, but C.S. Lewis is... Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a fun book to read, and he uses as a literary advice an older demon teaching a younger demon how to be efficient at tempting people in their lives. And it is an interesting uh, read. C.S. Lewis and a great thinker in Christian thought on the deal. Okay, but back in, you know, concluding it, not omniscient, not omnipresent, not everywhere, and I don't believe involved in every temptation. Okay, I just don't think it's biblical, but could potentially be involved in a temptation. We're good? All right. All right, so back down to verse 12. Here we go. Okay, everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by any. Okay, so let me just toss this out. I think it's possible that there are things in my life that aren't necessarily in and of themselves bad. But if I let them get out of control, if I let them get over the top, they could potentially control me. Okay? So let's let's read it again. Everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by any. Okay? So this is something that's not necessarily wrong, but I've allowed it to so consume me that now it is mastering me. Okay? So let's, let's see if we can even come up with maybe a couple things that might be in that category. What are we thinking? What are we thinking of things that in and of themselves may not be wrong, but might end up mastering me if I'm not careful? Lynn, a yeah. question before that. Why does okay. it say that everything is permissible? Because there are things that aren't. No, no, no. And I think, I think, I, I think it's in the context of saying in this, in this realm of all the things that are permissible. I don't think it's trying to say, hey, killing your neighbor is permissible. I, I don't think it's what it's saying. In this, in this realm of all the things that are permissible, not everything is beneficial. Okay. Okay, so something that might be permissible but maybe not beneficial or might master me. What do we got? Beer. Fear. Beer. Alcohol. Oh, beer. (laughs) Kind of the same thing, but all right. No, you know what? I, I, okay, and, okay. Um, Okay, I think actually a good example. All right, so let's even go there for a second. I think if you go through Scripture, I don't think you can find a Scripture that says, if somebody has a beer, they're going to hell. Anybody found that verse yet? No. Okay. So apparently it's permissible. Matter of fact, I I think you have a hard time making an argument that Jesus didn't drink wine that probably had alcoholic content in it as he's here on earth. So apparently permissible. And yet, then it comes back and says, "But, but not everything's beneficial, right? 
And I, I would get better if I, if I asked for a show of hands, we'd have people in this room that go, I, I've got a family that's been devastated because, you ready for this? Because somebody in my family was mastered by this. Somebody in my family abused this. And, and my family is still suffering. So that may just be an incredibly powerful example of exactly what we're talking about, right? I, this may be something that's acceptable. Scripture may not you know, necessarily say you can or you can't on this particular issue. But there is the potential with this issue to be mastered and bring real destruction in my life. Which means, I think, that you and I then are asked to live this topic with real, real wisdom in our life. Does that make sense? You and I are really, really asked to have discretion in Christ at what we're going to do with this particular topic. So just for a second, jump with me over to Ephesians. And I'm going to have to remember here real quick. All right, someone help me here because I wasn't planning to go here. Do not be drunk with wine, which is an excess. Ephesians 5.18. Okay, there we go. I was close. Okay, so Ephesians 5.18. Here's here's what it says. Let's actually go back to verse 15 because it kind of ties in. It says, Be careful then how you live, not as unwise or as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And then verse 18, don't get drunk on wine. Now, in here, you just need to hear me say out loud, clearly getting drunk in Scripture is wrong. And I, I'm just going to tell you, it's wrong. Okay, That part is clear scripturally. Getting drunk is wrong. So it says, uh, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Isn't that an interesting phrase? Don't get drunk with wine. And instead, okay, in converse... Be filled with the Spirit. Isn't that an interesting contrast? Why do you think Scripture would make that contrast? Wine and the Spirit. Microphone. Okay. All right. I, was, I was going to answer the first question about okay. it's one of those examples of things that are permissible. Okay. I was thinking food. Okay, food. Food is permissible, but overeating food is really, there you go. really not. Okay. And so. then the drunk on wine comment. Um, I... I've gone through this one a few times in my past, and and what I understand is this church would, before they went to church, they would actually drink wine so they could understand, I guess, the Scripture better. I don't know, something like that. Um, they would drink wine so they could understand Scripture better. This is better. just this I've is try a pastor that one. told me. That's, <laughs> that's kind of like 1970s. I'm smoking my marijuana so I can study my classes better. But all right. I'm telling you. All right. <laughs> All and right, works instead, for me. Instead to be filled with the Spirit when they right. come in instead of, you know, drinking wine or something. So hmm. anyway, that was my take on it. Okay. When we drink um, alcohol, we get drunk. That controls us. Mm-hmm. And it says to control, have the Holy Spirit control us hmm. instead. Here's the interesting part, and I think we've hit a little bit there. Isn't it interesting, and I'm just going to say, when we abuse alcohol, when we abuse alcohol, we abuse it because I'm depressed and I want to pick me up. We abuse it because I'm unconfident and I just want a little more confidence. I want to be looser or freer. Uh, we, we abuse it um, when we say, hey, I just want to forget how bad my day was. Isn't it interesting that every one of those answers are answers I'm supposed to find in the Lord, in the Spirit, that I should have actually sought God for those things and not alcohol. I think that's why it says, hey, be careful, be careful, be careful, you don't go and abuse wine when really the very things that were pressuring you in your life were things that were supposed to drive you to God. Isn't that an interesting moment? Okay. So, again, I think a great example of, I may have freedom and liberty for this. I've got to be sure this thing does not master me. 
Okay? I've got to be sure this thing does not control me in my life. Okay? All right. What else? What else would go on the list? Beer, wine, beer. What happened to food? I must have been really focused. All right. Food. What else maybe would go on the list of things that might be permissible but over overdone could potentially master me? Yeah. Working. 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 Definitely. Okay. Nothing, nothing wrong with working. I talked to a guy the other day who said, I, I was so fulfilled in work, I was so caught up in it, I, lo- I just about lost my family. Nothing wrong with working. Matter of fact, you're commanded in Scripture to work. It can consume you. Okay? Yep. Okay. I would like to take us back um, one moment. Okay. Uh, comparing this. You guys are too slow with your questions. <laughs> we have to keep going back. And I thought we were making progress. I feel like a frustrated counselor. All right. Okay, I'm just going back to the spirit aspect, like getting filled with the Holy Spirit instead of wine. Right. Um, I think both of them react to the human being in the same way. Um, let's say you get filled with the spirit, it takes your whole body, it consumes your whole being, it fills your soul. Let's say the Holy Spirit also acts the same way. For example, when the Spirit descended on Moses, um, sorry, David, what did he do? Mm-hmm. He was so consumed by the Holy Spirit, he danced, he took his clothes off. Mm-hmm. So you can compare both of them as acting the same way sometimes. When you are consumed with the Spirit, some people might say maybe you are drunk with mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit. Well, all I can say about that is that I'm really, really glad you said sometimes. Because uh, I, the next time I'm filled with the Spirit, I'm keeping my clothes on. But, um, no, I, I think there may be some parallels there. I, I think, you know, the disciples, when they were preaching on the day of Pentecost, uh, the crowd said to them, are these guys drunk with wine? And uh, they said, no, 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 this is the Holy Spirit active in our lives uh, on the deal. So I think, I think there may be some comparison there. I think, I think probably, though, in this context, the more direct one is two issues. What do I allow to master my life, which is what the Spirit's supposed to do when it fills me? It's supposed to lead and control my life. It's what alcohol does when alcohol fills me. It masters me. Okay? And then um, the second part of it is, where will I turn in trouble? Where will be my hope? Because you guys, you realize at the end of the day, we sang a song at the beginning, and I thought, I think we sing those words and we don't get it. And it was that, blessed be your name. Blessed be your name and when the sun is shining. And all is good. Guys, that's easy, right? That's, you just got the raise. Walking away from the car dealer. Signed the paper. I mean, it's, it's easy to go, thank you, Jesus. You're so good to me. But the next line in the song is, And in the days that aren't so good, When it's not shining, When life is crumb, Blessed be your name. Well, that, that's the moment you, you define your walk with God. Is God's name blessed when your life isn't? You know, the truth is, you don't ever know the quality of a Christian until the water gets hot. See, we're a lot like tea bags. And I really don't know what you believe, and I don't know the depth of your faith until your faith is uncomfortable. And then I know. Okay? So I think those are the two things. Who will master me? Where will I turn in times of trouble? I think, I think, are the, but, and maybe a little bit of dancing with my clothes off.
Okay? All right. All right. Back to verse... Oh, verse 12. All right. Just a little bit more. Can we get one or two more and then we'll move on? What else could be... Ministry. Huh? Ministry. What is it? Ministry. Ministry. Okay. I'll put that a little bit with uh, working, but yes. Computers Uh, and cell phones. Texting. (laughs) Texting. And I have to backtrack again. I'm sorry. (laughs) I just Of the devil. What else? Music. Music. Especially for teenagers. Yeah. Dangerous sports. I actually that's dangerous sports can have a deeply beneficial thing in the lives of unwanted children. Um, no. What about <laughs> What about gambling? Will that be on the list? Gambling? What do we have? Gambling? Gambling. I have one more. Golfing. That cannot be on the list. There is no way that that would ever get to the point of inappropriate, you know, not golfing's not going on the list. I'd say being overly concerned with your outward appearances, fitness. Okay. Okay. So let me just say this about the list, and you don't know which ones I think what about the list on. I think there's an interesting phrase in here, and I'm just going to challenge you to process this list or whatever else is on your list. Here it goes back. It says, and this is... uh, Everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. And and again, guys, the best way I think to read that word beneficial is wise. Does it really get me anywhere? Does it really, really help me in my life? Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. There are some things on this list that you and I just can't avoid. I mean, we just can't. I can't avoid food. I, I have to have food which means I'll always have to have that in my life at sufficient levels, and I'll always have to navigate that water. Here's what I'm going to suggest to you, though. There are some things on this list I, I, I just don't think it's worth navigating. Personally, you're now hearing my conviction. But there's some things on here that I go, if that thing has the potential to control my life, if that thing has the potential to mess up my testimony, if that thing has the potential to cause damage, why even start it? Okay? I, to be honest with you guys, it's how I feel about cigarette smoking. I don't know if I can find you over. I mean, you could probably say destroying the temple of God. But when I, when I weigh the benefit and then I weigh the potential downfall and I go, why? Why? What? Why? And I'm just going to say to you that I think there are things on this list that you and I ought to look at and go, it's permissible. I mean, I can do it. I mean, I'm not, you know, not going to need to repent or anything, but why? Why, why? why even go there with all the potential downside? Why? Okay? And it, it's up to you. That God didn't say it, so I'm not going to say it, but I'm just going to ask you to, na- I'm going to ask you to have the integrity to go before God and go, you know, is this really beneficial for my life? Does it really help me in my life? And do I really need it on the deal? Okay, so keep moving. Here we go. Uh, food for the stomach, we already said food, and the stomach for food. So he, he goes, look, here's the deal. Some of this stuff you've got to have. You know, you've got a stomach and you've got to have uh, food. But here's the thing you need to keep in perspective. But God will destroy them both. See, if you think about it, everything on this list is temporary. Everything on this list is only around as long as this world's around, and the world's not going to always be around. 
And if you and I live for these things, or if you and I get mastered by these things, and I'm just going to toss another one on there, is dollars. See, here's the thing at the end of the day. You and I have to live with money, but I don't want to be mastered by money. And I think he's just simply saying, hey, be very careful if you allow the temporary things of this life to master your life. Yep. Um, I'm kind of confused by the word working because when you By the which word? Working. Working, okay. Yeah, because sometimes I don't know where you can draw the line because of the current economy, you may find yourself working two jobs or even one job that Mm -hmm. really consumes your time. And uh, the atmosphere makes you a workaholic. And you cannot get out from this job because you have bills to pay and stuff like that. So, and the same with ministry. You also have to serve in ministry. So, where do you draw the line? You know, now that's a little bit hard for me. Okay. Where do you draw the line? All right, someone want to help? Yes. Okay, help. Uh, I think what he's trying to say is when people choose to work... It becomes overwhelming uh, just as somebody chooses to drink uh, alcohol, they could have a drink or two and stop, whereas somebody who has a problem with that can't stop. Uh, A very good example is uh, my ex-boyfriend was a workaholic. He he couldn't stop working. It was like his, his addiction. And I think that's where Lynn is going at with that. That's what the, that's what Corinthians is saying. I think the reason that work can be the problem is because then I begin to neglect other things that I'm responsible for before God with. I'm responsible for God to care of my family. I'm responsible before God to be faithful in worship. I'm, I'm responsible before God to take care of my body. And if I begin now by one thing that is permissible, it's allowable, but now to neglect other God-given responsibilities, then I've been mastered by it. Does that make sense? Okay. So here's what I will say to you, though. I get that there are seasons. I get that there are moments. And I get that there may be a moment in this economy when you'd go, hey, you know what? I think, I think my work is maybe a little out of balance in my life right now. And this is the tension that you and I live in our Christian faith. This is what we do. There may be moments in which you say, in this moment, it's a little bit out of balance. But what I think you've got to ask yourself in that moment is, what's going to change? What's going to change? And does it have to be out of balance? Does it have to be out of balance? Okay? So in other words, here's the, here's the tension of it. I have to work. And let's, let's, for, let's for just argument's sake say, I have to worship. So now my, my work is conflicting with my worship because I can't make it to church because of my work. Does that make sense? Okay, two tensions, two responsibilities. So here's what I want you to think of this. Up. This is a bowling alley. This is the gutter. This is the gutter. There's the ball. Okay, but you're a giant and you're now tilting the bowling alley and you've got to get the ball down to the other end without getting in the gutter, the gutter of work or the gutter of worship. Okay? Because the other part is is that if you go to one of these worship guys and say, hey, you actually ought to work, he goes, no, I'm worshiping. Anyways, uh, either one, okay? Can't get over. Here's what I think you've got to ask when all of a sudden you realize this ball is getting dangerously close to the gutter. 
Okay? Here, let me do a different one because I think this is going to help it make it a lot clearer for us. What, what is the thing that most often comes in conflict when somebody in, in the family is consumed by work? Family. Right? And all of a sudden the family says, hey, where's dad? Where's mom? Right? Because I'm consumed by work. And I think when that ball begins to get dangerously close to the gutter, uh, you and I have to say, what am I going to do about this? Because I'm now living, I'm living at a place, you ready? That if this continues, will not be beneficial. Isn't that exactly what the scripture just said? It was permissible, but it will not be beneficial. This is not a wise way to live my life. And I am in danger of getting in real trouble. I'm getting in danger, ready, of being mastered by this. Does that make sense? So what do I do in that moment? And I believe in that moment, you and I have got to come back and we've got to say, so what's going to change? And do I really have to work this much? So do I really have to have cable TV? Do, do I have to have a cell phone? See, because the truth is, a lot of us, a lot of us have a whole bunch of things that we work for that have nothing to do with fulfilling these responsibilities before God. And I'm just going to suggest to you that any time, any issue in your life, whether it's work or whether it's food, anything else on the list, begins to put in jeopardy you fulfilling your God-given responsibilities, you're on the verge of being mastered. And you better be willing to figure out how to cut weight in your life. So turn the cell phone off. Don't buy the new car this year. You are not going on vacation unless it's in a tent. Does that make sense? Because, you ready for this? Because I will not be mastered by it. And I, guys, there's an interesting passage in Scripture that says, be careful, be careful about debt because you realize that when you go in debt, and don't get me wrong, I, I, I owe a mortgage on my house, I've got a charge card, I'm not telling you debt is of the devil. It just says be careful when you go in debt because you realize when you go in debt you become a slave to the person who gave you the loan. You go to work every day for him to give him back his money. Some of us are slaves to paying our $300 phone bills. I could be mastered because now I'm not fulfilling my God-given responsibility. may be permissible. doesn't mean it's beneficial. Does that make sense? A little bit? Okay. All right. Wait, where are you at in time? Oh, just come on. All right. It was, the all, it was the going back tonight. I'm just going to say that out loud. It was the going back stuff. I could have gotten another verse at least done if you hadn't done that. All right, let's close in prayer. Hey, dear Lord Jesus, thank you for tonight. God, just, just maybe one of us, two of us, some of us in this room needed this conversation tonight. And maybe, maybe we find ourselves in a moment in our lives where we're saying, look, I mean, there's nothing biblically wrong with what I'm doing. It's not, it's not sin in and of itself. But if we were honest... If we would just stop for a moment and really, really take a look at our lives through your eyes, we'd admit, I'm on the verge of being mastered. I'm on the verge of my life being controlled by this thing. And the problem is, it's not God. I've just made it God. 
So God, I'm just going to ask that you'd give us wisdom in this moment. You'd take all of our defensiveness out of our hearts and all the excuses that we may have in this moment. And we would just say, you know what? I, 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 it may be permissible. It may be. It may be. I just don't want to be controlled by it. Because the only thing in my life I want to be controlled by is the Spirit of God. And God, that some of us might even be willing to make sacrifice. Some of us might make adjustments in our life. I, I just refuse to live to pay a car payment. I just, I refuse. Because it's controlling me. And I'm, I'm not doing my family the way I should. I'm not getting to worship the way I should. It's controlling me. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thank you guys.